I'm going to get started off with our uh, week two message in this series uh, called Others. Can, before we get started, can everybody say Others? Others. And I want to get uh, go ahead and just get started with Scripture. And the Scripture for the day that we're going to focus in on is Mark chapter 10. And this is the words of Jesus. And to kind of set the stage a little bit, what Jesus is about to say, he's about to speak to his disciples, his, his closest group of followers. And they're sitting there, they're walking to wherever it is that they're going, uh, and they're following Jesus, they're behind him. And Jesus just hears them arguing about who is the greatest, okay? Like Muhammad Ali, right? I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. They're just saying, right? They're arguing over who's the greatest among them. And Jesus overhears them. And I just want to know, like, what was the reasoning that they were giving towards each other of why they were the greatest? You know, like, was it like, I'm the best fisherman? Was it, you know, I gave the best sermon last week? Like, what was it that they were thinking was, you know, the reason that they were the greatest. The Bible doesn't tell us. I think maybe because it wasn't that important, you know? And a lot of times we try and have all these ideas that we think of why we're so great, why we're so great. And then this is how Jesus responds to his followers who were behind him having this argument about who's the greatest. And he looks at them and says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them. The people who are who consider themselves or other people consider them as important, you know, politicians or rulers, kings, whatever it is. They, they consider that they, they lord it over people and their high officials, they exercise authority over them. They lord that authority over them. They lord it over them. And I love what Jesus says. Not so with you. And he's saying it to all of us this morning, myself, all of us. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The title of the message today, guys, is Serving others. Before we kind of continue on anymore, I want to pray uh, to kind of get us kicked off. God, we just thank you this morning that we look at your heart, Lord. And God, we see that, God, you are like no other. We can look to the way that the world exercises authority. We can look to the way that so many in the world uh, lord it over everybody, consider themselves so self-important. But God, we look to you and we look to your word and we look, God, just how different, how perfect, how beautiful your way is, your truth is. And God, today we just pray as we dig into your word, God, we could really truly absorb it into our hearts and be changed this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. And so when I knew that I was going to be talking about serving others this morning, um, I, I'm going to not, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I had a lot of difficulty um, finding the scripture that I was going to talk about, about serving others. And when I say that, I don't mean it's because the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about it. The reason I say I had a lot of difficulty figuring out which scripture I was going to be talking about this morning is because the more and more I looked into the Bible about what it was I was going to be saying about serving others, it's everywhere in the Bible. It's everywhere. I had difficulty because it's literally all over the Bible. It's everywhere. It's in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. 
It's in the life of Jesus in the Gospels. It's in Paul's letters. It's in Psalms. It's in the wisdom books. It's in the books of prophecy. It's in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You get the picture. It's everywhere. It is everywhere in the Bible, this idea, this picture of serving others, making your life about others. And so what I want to try and do today is I want to try and kind of key in, hone in on uh, this first passage and a few other little verses there that I believe are going to give us a a great picture of what the entire Bible says about serving others. When I say that, there's, there's no contradiction in the Bible. There's not going to be like Genesis says serve others, Exodus is like don't serve others, right? (laughs) They all, they are all in harmony, but I just tried to pick what I felt was the the most, uh, painted the most complete picture of what the Bible really truly, uh, thinks about serving others. It's so central. It's so primary. It is everywhere in the Bible. And as I was, uh, you know, studying for this message, there was uh, a story of the Salvation Army uh, at the very beginning of the Salvation Army, you know, that does so many serves so many people, uh, in their founder, uh, every year they would send out this message, this telegram message to all the Salvation Army chapters all over the world. And, uh, you know, if you don't, re- if you don't know, um, I-, I wasn't around during the time of telegram. My, the youth in the youth group don't believe that maybe, but I wasn't around with telegram. But you apparently would pay by the word for the telegram. And he had to send the telegram all over the world to all the different chapters of the Salvation Army. And it would just communicate their mission. Their focus for the year. It would kind of just communicate the vision of what the Salvation Army was all about, was going to be doing that coming up year when they sent it out at Christmas time. And this particular year, at the beginning of when they founded the Salvation Army, funds were, were really, really tight. They, they, they weren't sure if they were even going to have the budget to send out the telegram because, again, they got to send it all over the world. You gotta, they charge it by word. And so what the founder of the Salvation Army decided to do is I'm going to send one word, one word in that telegram one word to focus in on what is our vision, what is our mission, what are we going to do this year? And his one word that he sent out to the world was others. That was it. Others. That is, that is the heart. That is the mission. We're going to be about others this year. It's going to be all about others. And I just absolutely love that idea because in the Bible, if you look at it, what the Bible desires for us is others. The, the Bible desires for us to serve others. And so today we're going to look at three kind of main things from this main passage and then a couple other verses. The first one is why serve. The second one is how to serve. And the third thing is the power to serve. Why serve, how to serve, and the power to serve. And the first one, why serve? Why am I even up here telling you to serve others? And because I realize it is, it is an ask, okay? I'm asking you to do something when I'm up here telling you to serve others. Uh, some of you guys are like, there's only 24 hours in the day, right? I already have my job, okay? I already have to get in a certain amount of hours of sleep every night. And, you know, maybe some of you new parents are like, what is sleep, right? Okay, but like, we, you already have all of these other things filling up your day. Why in the world serve? Why in the world take on some other new... Pre- project or why in the world are you asking me to serve there's two big main reasons okay the first one is because people need it people need you to serve people need you to serve first corinthians 10 24 paul says let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor and jesus in matthew 9 36 
It's when he sees the crowds, the Bible says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the people, he saw their needs. He saw what they needed. He was moved to compassion in his heart when he saw the people. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when I say people need you to serve, it's so easy to be cynical. It's so easy to have just that cynical eye towards the world, cynical eye towards people on the side of the road, cynical eye about anything else, right? Like you see a homeless person on the side of the road, it's like, yeah, they're asking for money, but if I give them money, then maybe they're going to use it for drugs or alcohol or it's just better that I don't do it. Or, oh, you know, it, I know that my neighbor, you know, they, they need their grass cut and, you know, they're old, but they're grumpy and cranky and they're complaining about how I cut the grass and that I didn't do it the right way. It's just a whole lot easier if I just don't serve. Okay. I already have all my responsibilities. I've already have all these other things. It's just better if I don't. And it's so easy for us to be cynical. But we look at Jesus and we look at his heart, the heart of the God who knows everything, right? The thing about cynicism is, is it, it gives us the air of like some secret knowledge, right? Like, yeah, they're asking for money, but if I give them money, it's going to actually end up going badly. We look at the God who knows everything. And when he saw the people, it said he had compassion on them. He knew every detail. He knew if he gave them that miraculous bread and fish to the 15,000, right? That maybe somebody was going to take the fish and turn around and sell it. You know, this miracle fish, right? Whatever. But he still did it. He still did it. He had compassion on these people. Even though he knew everything about them, his heart was still moved. His heart was still moved. One of my favorite Christian singer-songwriter, he has this song that he writes about uh, a homeless woman that he sees on the side of the street. And it's, it, it's not a very glamorous song. It doesn't sound necessarily like a Christian song when you hear it because he's describing, uh, you know, her drug addiction. He's describing her as this just woman who's shouting rude things at him. He sees the nicotine, nicotine stains on her teeth. He's describing it and all that. And it's, it's not a very glamorous picture that he paints. But then he moves into the chorus and the chorus of the song says... She's somebody's baby. She's somebody's baby girl. And I just, I I can't help but see the heart of Jesus in that. Because Jesus doesn't say they're somebody's baby. Jesus says they're my baby. On the side of the road, the, 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 the rude neighbor that you have, right? Who's rude to you all the time or whatever it is, right? Like, They are the child of God, and they need us to serve them. And God asks us, begs us, tells us, commands us to go and serve them because they need it. We look at Jesus. He had compassion on them. He met their needs the way that he could. When we come across people this week, when we come across people in our life, let's meet their needs the way that we can, whatever that looks like. And Deuteronomy chapter 15 says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So maybe it's not $5, okay? I'm not telling you up here, just give money to something that's going to go to waste. But maybe they need your time, your attention. Maybe they need your encouragement. Whatever it is that people need, give what you have. 
Give what you have. Meet the need the way that you can because that's exactly what Jesus did for him. Meet the need that we can. We need to serve. Why serve? Because they need it. But the other reason why we need to serve is because we need it. Because I need it. Proverbs 11.25 says this amazing principle about how the, the world works. It says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is the underlying principle of the universe, okay? And it's saying the person who gives away their money will be all right. And the person who refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that picture. In Mark 10, the very first scripture that we were looking at, Jesus is talking about uh, serving. He's talking about being a slave to others. But even though he was compassionate, like we saw in, in Mark 9, I'm sorry, in um, Matthew 9, even though we saw the compassion that he had, when the very first scripture we talked about from Mark chapter 10, where he's talking about being a slave to all and being a servant, his focus wasn't necessarily on the people that needed the serving. Did you notice what Jesus' focus was in, in the beginning? He said, if you want to be great, if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. If you want to be the first among everybody, you've got to put yourself last. The people around us need it, but you need it. We need to serve. I love in Mark, uh, can we pull up the first scripture from Mark chapter 10? He says, if you want to be great, and he uses those two words. He uses the word for a servant, and he uses the word for a slave. And the Bible, and the New Testament wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And the translation was where he says, if you want, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. The word there is like a, a, a word picture, right? It's a compound word that they put together. And the word for servant meant of the dust. And that doesn't like totally make sense in our, in our mind, right? Or through the dust is what it says. And the picture that they were painting of the kind of servant that Jesus is talking about is somebody that is just on the road constantly, just meeting the needs of whoever it is that sent them. Like there's a cloud of dust behind them, if you get that picture, right? Like pig pen, you know, in, in peanuts. There's just dust because they're going. It's one of those ideas. And, and I couldn't help but when I was looking at it, to think of the idea of, of the gopher. Right? You know, in the office, there's the gopher that goes for the coffee, goes for whatever the boss needs, right? Just the gopher. Like, what do you need? I'll, I got it. What do you need? I'll be there. What do you need? I'm actually already on my way doing it. And Jesus says, if you want to be great, you've got to be the gopher. Which the gopher doesn't have a very good connotation, right? It's like somebody who doesn't have a lot of skill, who just does what he, right, right, like... But Jesus says, if you want to be great, you got to just be like, I'm getting things done for whatever you need. Whatever somebody around me needs, I'm going. I'm doing it. I'm on the road already. And then this other word that he uses is slave. And it literally, there's no other way around it. He uses the word for slave. And again, it's a word picture, but it means someone who belongs to someone else. Someone else's property. You aren't in charge of the decisions in your life. You give that over to somebody else. That's a very, 
very serious word that Jesus uses. Your life, he says, if you want to be first, your life cannot be your own anymore. <laughs> Not just a slave to some, slave of all. I wish I could give you like a little qualifier, soften the blow that Jesus gives us there. But there's no Greek word that makes it different. Jesus said, if you want to be first, you've got to belong to everybody. You've got to be everyone's, pr- you've, got to, you've got to just meet everyone's need just as much as you meet your own needs. It's all about others. It's all about others. And the, the thing about this is the more and more I was looking at it is that it's, it's very, very, very basic what we're talking about today. Serving others, doing good for other people. It's a very basic idea. We can all kind of get on board with it, right? Yeah? Amen? But if we're honest, it goes against every fiber of our being. Especially in 2022 in America. It goes against every fiber of our 2022 American being to say it's not about me, it's about somebody else. My wife and I have three kids. I don't know if you guys know that, but uh, any guys, anybody else out in here in, have kids? Yes? When they were babies, I don't know about y'all's kids, didn't any of you guys get those like selfless babies? I don't know why y'all laughing. You know, the ones that like burp themselves? No? Any of those babies that like change their diapers? their own diapers, right? We actually did have a child change their own diaper or try to one time. It was not helpful, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, the, the babies that just, like, they share all their favorite toys all the time. They never punch or kick or bite or scream, No! Mine! Those Anybody have one of those selfless babies, right? That, like, when they're sleeping at night, you're sleeping at night, they're like, I could cry right now, but mom and dad are probably sleeping. You know, dad had a long week at work. And... No, don't you all have those selfless babies? And the, uh, the sad truth about this is all of us, we were those babies one time too, Okay. It's kind of in our nature to be selfish, selfish, right? They're like, feed me. Some of you wives got some husbands that didn't, didn't grow out of that, right? Just... Ask Jennifer. I get hangry, y'all. Like, I'm, I am the Snickers commercial, right? Like, it's, I am hangry. It's in our nature to be selfish. It just is. That's part of the maturing of a child is seeing them go from this selfish little thing to beginning to share, beginning to think about other people. But I'm just going to tell you the truth. We don't all 100% ever grow out of that. And it's something in our nature that we've got to fight over and over and over again. It's something that is so ingrained in us and yet the God of the universe steps into time and he says, if you want to be great, you've got to be completely selfless. 
I know that this is the way you've been from the time that you were born, but if you want to be first, you have got to belong not to yourself, but to everyone around you. He comes on the scene and tells us that not only am I commanding you to do this, but I'm telling you, you need it. You, if you want to be great, you've got to do it. The people around you need it. You need it. If you're selfless, you will be great, Jesus is saying. If you refresh others, you will be refreshed. But if we continue in selfishness, and again, like it, that, it's always there. The Bible says that our flesh, right, our, our sinful nature is always at war with the Spirit. When we have given our lives to Jesus, it says that the Spirit of Christ comes to live inside of us. And at all times, the Spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. And the flesh wants what is contrary to the Spirit. There's always this war going on between us. Between wanting to do what we want to do and doing what God wants us to do. And look at what James says in chapter 3. When the selfishness wins out. When that selfish ambition wins out. Where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder in every vile practice. It's in us from birth, and if we let it fester, the infection comes. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, maybe there will be disorder. No. It's another law of the universe that there will be disorder. There will be every vile practice. Something is going to come up if we don't keep it in check. Everyone around us needs us to serve, and we all need it for ourselves. Because I'm going to tell you something, life is hard. We go through some things in life, but there's a fuel that helps us to get through these things. There's a, a leadership expert named Simon Sinek, and he's, he, he helps the Navy SEALs, and he helps all these leaders all around the world and all this stuff. But he talks specifically about the Navy SEAL training, and it's, uh, the way he says it, it's only about 10% of all the Navy SEALs get through the initial training process of the Navy SEALs before you can continue going on. And somebody asked him about, how do the people get through this incredibly grueling training session that they've got? You know, the initiation, whatever, you know, it's, and, and if you've ever read about it, it's torturous, right? Like there, there's no way around. They're basically just torturing the guys, seeing if they can get through it. Only 10% of these guys who are already like at the elite of the elite of the elite who are training for it, only 10% of them really get through it. And they're asking him, you're a leadership expert. Who, how do you pick the ones that get through it? How can you look at you know, all 100% and see which is the 10% that's actually going to get through it? And this is the quote that he says. He says, it's not the big muscle-bound guys. They may look impressive, but they don't have what it takes. It's not the tattooed tough guys. They may look scary, but they don't have what it takes. It's not the college-educated guys. They may look and sound like leaders, but they don't have what it takes. The ones who make it through don't necessarily look impressive. All of us ugly people say amen. There may be times during the training where they are shivering in fear. But at some point during the grueling, punishing training... When they're exhausted, when they're mentally spent, and when it doesn't look as though they can go on. They dig deep, and they're the ones who find a way to help the person next to them. When we go through some things in life, it's so easy and natural even for us to be like, I gotta, 
I've got to have some me time right now. I've got to focus in on myself. But Jesus, the one who created us, the one who created the universe, says, if you want to be great, you've got to look to others. You've got to look to serve others. So that's why we serve. And this, the next question is, how do, how do we serve? So if that sounds good, right? Well, how do, how do we get there? How do we become that, the, uh, the, word, the Greek word for servant, right? Going through the dust. How do we become that slave to all? What does that look like? And I would love to give you like a long list of all these things that you could do. Uh, but you already have that sitting on the chairs next to you. You can come Saturday for serve day, right? Okay. But I want to give us the underlying principle of what it means how do we become a servant? What does that look like, maybe necessarily in our own lives? And the prophet Isaiah, like I said, it's all over the Bible. The prophet Isaiah has this beautiful picture that I think explains if we want to be a servant, how we become a servant. And it's in Isaiah chapter 58. It says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And I want to focus in on these words right here. If you pour yourself out, how do we become servants? We just start to pour ourselves out. Our own selfish desires, our own ambitions, our own hopes and our own dreams and all these things. Look, I'm telling you something. God can use all of those things and God doesn't want you to be hopeless, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, very much. He wants you to have hope and to have a future. But your hope and your future is not all about you. Your purpose is not going to only be to exalt yourself. The only way for your light to rise in the darkness and your gloom to be as the noon day is if we pour out ourselves. If we pour ourselves out. I can tell you go to the food bank. I can tell you to lead a small group. I can tell you to take, you know, three hours a day to pray for people. I can tell you to do yard work for your neighbor. I can tell you to buy a meal for somebody on the side of the road. I can tell you to do all those things. I can tell you to do all of those things. But the way to become a servant in every situation, in every moment, no matter where you're at, whether there is a homeless person on the side of the road or whether there's not, or whatever situation you find yourself in, the underlying principle of all of it is we've got to pour ourselves out. Pour ourselves out. Empty us. Empty ourselves. Empty whatever is in your hand. Empty Whatever is in your energy tank for the day, right? Empty yourselves out. Pour yourselves out. To serve others means to willingly make the choice to pour ourselves out. Whatever that means. It is quiet in this church this morning. Just because LSU lost. Come on. Like I said, maybe, maybe the person on the side of the road will take your $5 and they'll buy drugs or alcohol. I don't know. But if you think that's going to happen, what if the thing that's more expensive to you in that moment is your time? Can I get an amen? Some of us, $5 is easy just throwing that out the window and psh, I got to get gone. What if the more expensive thing in the moment is like, you're going to take 10 minutes and you're going to drive through the Canes drive through and go and give that to them. If you want to buy a meal for somebody, you can do that, right? Sometimes, whatever it is, is pouring yourself out in that moment. Whatever that means. I, I love that picture of pouring yourself out. But what it really means, and I, I want to put it this way. Just spell it out for us. It means to make a moment about somebody else. We can all do that. 
Make a moment about someone else. That's the heart of serving others. That's the heart of what it means to pour yourself out. Make the moment about someone else. John Maxwell tells this story of a woman who was alive in Britain in the, 18, uh, in the 1800s. And she had an opportunity at this um, political dinner or something like that. That she got to uh, kind of wine and dine with two of the top politicians in all of Britain. Uh, Benjamin Disraeli, if you've heard of him, he was prime minister twice, very important politician. And his uh, political rival, who also was prime minister later on, uh, William Gladstone. And she got to spend time with both of these men, right? The most important men in all of England. She got to spend time with them both in one night. And somebody asked her uh, what that was like. And so she tells the person, she says, whenever I was with Mr. Gladstone, I left with the impression that he was the cleverest man in all of England. And then she says, but when I was with Mr. Disraeli, I left with the impression that I was the cleverest woman in all of England. Maybe it's not giving money. Maybe it's not cutting. Maybe it's just in the moment making it all about somebody else. Maybe it's all about giving them your attention, giving them your encouragement, giving them your time. Because to really truly pour ourselves out is to make the moment about somebody else. It's to say, it's not about what I want. It's about what you need. It's not about what I want. It's about what you need. Another story I want to tell is a Christian writer who tells a story of her father, who was a a simple farmer, but he grew up and he was an absolute atheist. Her grandfather, his father, had told him all growing up that the Bible was fairy tales and it wasn't real and all this stuff. There's no way you could trust the church or any of that stuff. And so her father was a farmer and uh, it tells, she told the story of one day, a local pastor took interest in her father. And it says that he came up and he simply asked her father, who was a farmer, if he could help him plow the fields on the weekend. I don't know if you guys ever plowed fields. It's not easy. Okay? I have a feeling that no matter who asked him, he's been like, yeah, you can help me plow the fields on the weekend. And it says that weekend after weekend after weekend, that pastor would show up and help her father plow the fields. And the thing that made her father accept Jesus was not some theological textbook. It wasn't some argument on a Facebook post. Can I get an Amen. The thing that made her father accept Jesus, that saved him, that made his heart new, was someone taking the time to serve him. That's powerful. It was a man serving others. When Jesus says, if you want to be great, if you want to be first, Jesus, when he says first, it means first. He's saying there's nothing higher in the kingdom of God that you can do, that you can be, than to be the slave of everybody, than to be the servant of everybody. You know, there's certain religions where if you want to go the next level in your faith, you got to give like a $100,000 donation, right? Not at this church, amen, okay? Jesus says, if you want to go to the next level, it's no amount of money that you can give. It's no degree that you've got to get. There's no physical training that you've got to go through. If you want to be great, if you want to go to the next level, if you want to be first, if you want to make progression, you've got to be a servant. 
And the beautiful thing about this is everybody can do that. Everyone can do that. You hear all the time complaints from people outside the church that say how exclusive Christianity is. My Bible says that we're all sinners. And my Bible says that Jesus died once for all people. That that ticket is open and free for everybody. And the beautiful thing is here, is that Jesus says, and once you're in the family, if you want to move up, if you want to be great, if you want to be first, you got to serve. And just as the way into the family is free and available to all, the way up is free and available to all. But the way up is down, and so not everybody wants to take that path. But don't you see what that means? To be the greatest, to have the most significance, you don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be educated. It doesn't matter if you're tall, if you're short. It doesn't matter if you're tested, if you're untested. It doesn't matter if you're white or black. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old. You can serve others. We all can. And that all sounds like daisies and roses and it all sounds fantastic and everyone agrees with it and we're all on board and it all sounds great. But the truth is on our own, on our own, with our own effort and our own striving and all that, who actually lives like that? We don't. The Bible says that everyone is a sinner that has fallen short of the grace of God. And without the grace of God, without us having an encounter with the goodness and the grace and the love of God and who he is, we're stuck in the selfishness like the, 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 the baby who's crying constantly for me, 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 me. We're there. So where do we get the power to serve? We've talked about why we serve. We talked about how we truly become a servant by pouring out. But where do we get the power to actually do it? It's such a beautiful picture. It's the ideal, right? But for sometimes it seems so unreachable. But the Bible talks about a hidden power of how we do become a servant. The way it's possible. The power to serve. And the truth is, is when our hearts come face to face with the heart of God. The Bible has this beautiful truth in it. It says, when we see Jesus, we become like him. Jesus is God in flesh. He is perfect. He is the ideal. And so if we want to be the ideal, we want to be like him, we've got to see him. We've got to see him. And so what I want to do is paint a picture of who Jesus is and give us the power to serve. Chuck Colson was in Moscow in 1990 preaching to an underground Russian church. And they have written down and preserved what he said to the church in Russia that day. And I wanted to share it with you guys this morning. He says, all through human history, as far back as recorded time, and doubtless before, kings, princes, tribal chiefs, presidents, and dictators have sent their servants into battle to die for them. And only once in human history has a king not sent his subjects to die for him, but instead died for his subjects. This is the king who introduces the kingdom that cannot be shaken because this king reigns eternally. That's our king. 
Where do we get the power to serve? It's when we see in our hearts that Jesus served us. He didn't just serve the people in Israel 2,000 years ago. What he did on the cross, he did it once and for all time for you and for me, for all of us. And it was the greatest act of pouring yourself out that anyone has ever done in the history of history. He is the king of kings and he is the servant of servants. He said that the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The heart of the God who created the universe is to serve, is to pour himself out. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 15 says, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for him who for their sake died and was raised. First John three sixteen says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life, poured out his life for us that we ought to lay down our lives, pour out our lives for our brothers and our sisters. When the, the early church was spreading in Rome at the time, there was the very last emperor of Rome before Constantine came in and made the Roman Empire Christian. His name was Julian and he hated Christians and he wrote down what he thought about the Christians and how they had spread all over his empire. And you could just, he, he hated the Christians and he was describing how they had spread all over his empire and what he said about them, the way that they, he said their, their, uh, their evil idea spread all over the empire was that they just, they just kept serving everybody. He said, even though we persecute them, even though we kill them, they take our sick among them and take care of them. Even though we kill them, even though we, we talk bad about them, even though we ostracize them, even though we blame everything on them, when we discard our young that we don't want anymore, they take them into their homes. And they love them. They take care of them. The way that Christianity was spread in the Roman Empire, and every historian agrees with it, was the witness of the servant heart of the entire church. And it spread like wildfire, because who could say no to a love like that? The beauty and the power to serve is only found when we see that God loved us so much. He served, poured himself out. In the greatest way that anybody could ever imagine, he poured his own blood out on the cross for you and for me. So we could be forgiven of our sins. So we could be made new. So that we could know that everything that we've done wrong will never be held against us, but instead we could walk in new life. Not making life about us. But the Bible says using that freedom to serve others. To not be compelled to service but to be freed and make the choice to serve. And that's love. Don't you see? We were created to serve. James says that faith without works is dead. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. The Bible says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That before Jesus stepped on the face of the earth, God, no one had ever seen him. But Jesus was God made flesh. Jesus was the embodiment of God. 
And when he came, what does Philippians chapter 2 say? I didn't put it in my notes, but he says that. Being in very nature God, he didn't consider his equality with God something to be held on to, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. The heart of the God who created the universe, who created every atom in the universe, who created every cell in your body, is to pour himself out. Don't you see when we're selfish, we're going against the grain. We were created to serve. That's the only way that our light will shine in the darkness. Like Isaiah was saying, it's the only way that we go from last to first is when we accept that God has created us to serve. He didn't create us for life to be all about us. He created us to get through those hard times like the Navy SEALs by digging deep and helping the person next to us. It's all about serving others. See, Jesus was God made visible But when we serve others, it's our faith made visible. When you you paint that house that the old lady couldn't get to, when you cut the grass that the person couldn't do, when you feed the person who's hungry, it's your faith made visible. It's your faith made tangible. It's your faith made touchable and seeable. And when we see that Jesus served us at our worst, the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and poured himself out for us. When we see that Jesus served us at our worst, what's stopping us from serving others? Let's pray this morning. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, I want to give an opportunity to everyone in here, if you never had an encounter with the love of God, the fact, if you maybe never even come face to face with the fact that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. And you're wondering, what do I do with that? The Bible says that it's as simple as accepting the gift of his forgiveness. When he died on the cross, it was a gift to you. All we have to do is accept it. The Bible says you're forgiven. The Bible says you have new life. The Bible says you have the freedom to choose to make life not all about you anymore. And if you want that this morning, we just want to pray with you. We're not going to ask you to come down the aisle and go into a a dark side room. We just want to pray with you in the room right now. Nobody's going to, you know point you out or anything, everybody in the room is going to pray this prayer with you. We just want to pray it with you. So if you want that this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just ask that you would raise your hand this morning. Amen. That's awesome. Everybody in the room, I just ask you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for pouring out your life for me. I know I made mistakes and I'm a sinner. But I accept the gift of your forgiveness. I believe in you. I confess you're the Lord of my life. And I commit my life to you to serve you and to serve others. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Hey, can you put your hands together for those who prayed that prayer this morning? I want to pray one more prayer. We have serve day this Saturday and just pray over not just serve day, but all of us as we go out this week that we could serve others. God, we just thank you for who you are, God, that we look to your heart. We see, God, that in your heart, God, you didn't, 
make the decision to change things up and come serve us. God, it was who you were. It's your nature to come to earth and to serve us. To pour out your life over and over and over again to the point when you died on the cross, you poured it out completely. And Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. And God, as we go and we go and serve the community Saturday, Lord, we just pray that, God, it would be a witness to all around, Lord. That it would be our faith made visible. That, God, they would see you through the service that we do Saturday. God, that we would be a witness that would change lives. That we would see people come to new life through you. And, God, we just thank you that we get to play some small part in what you're doing here in Baton Rouge and around the world. God, I pray that it wouldn't just be serve day, God, but it would be this whole week. That it would be this year. That it would be our life, God. That we could continue to make moments about others and not ourselves. That we could dig deep in our hearts and just see you fresh and new every day serving us and loving us and we could turn that love around to the people around us god we love you and we thank you that we get to serve we pray all this in jesus name can everybody say amen this morning amen put your hands together for jesus one more time